Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bikes or Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I'm your host. And on today's episode, we have the new executive director for Bikepacking Roots, Allie Johnson. She was recently hired by Kurt and Kate to help run the show over there, but Kurt and Kate aren't going anywhere. Uh, Kate, I believe, is staying in her original position, and Kurt is moving more in the direction of route building So we'll be looking forward to the routes that he has coming out for us. And in fact, we talk about some of the projects that they have coming out on this episode, as well as all the initiatives that Bikepacking Roots does to support the bikepacking community and grow the bikepacking community. To me, they are one of the most important organizations for our community, and I'm really grateful that Allie was able to come on the podcast today and just introduce herself to us, give us an idea of what they have going on at Bikepacking Roots, what some of her goals are, and how we can support their efforts and strengthen this community and grow this community So thank you, Allie, for coming on today's episode. I really enjoyed getting to meet you, and I'm looking forward to everything that y'all have coming down the pipeline over at Bikepacking Roots. All right, friends. Well, a little bit of news. Today is going to be the last episode of the year, episode 98. Can you believe it? I never thought in a million years that we would be encroaching 100 episodes on the Bikes for Death podcast, but here we are, and we're looking to take a pause at the end of this year for a few reasons and get geared up for next year. If you'd like to hear a little bit more about the what we're going to be doing in the hiatus, uh, you can stick around till after the episode, and I'll fill you in on some of the going-ons over here in Bikes for Death land. But for now, let's take an opportunity to thank the people that made today's episode possible, starting with our newest patrons. Welcome Ethan Croft and Stu Sowers to the patron gang. We appreciate everybody who is able to support this work over at Bikes for Death. We truly can't do it without you. And if you would like to support this show, you can find out how over at patreon.com forward slash Bikes for Death. Today's episode is also brought to us by my friends over at Kuat and the new Piston Pro X. You've probably heard me talk about their new Piston Pro X, but it's worth mentioning again, the integrated taillights. How cool is that? If you haven't heard me talk about it or if you haven't seen it yet, they have figured out how to integrate taillights so they're visible when the rack is in an up or a down position. It works with your blinkers and your brake light system to keep your bike even that more safe. Now, they also took great lengths to make this an extremely durable and well-built rack. They use Kashima coating and they salt spray test it for up to 750 hours with no corrosion. That's craziness. So this isn't just a rack that looks great, but it'll also protect your bike for many, many, many years to come. One important thing about Kuat is their no worries warranty, which comes on all of their products, including the Piston Pro X. I have use their customer service. They're based in Springfield, Missouri, and they are face-melting good. Yes, they're that good. So let's face it, you know, we all have enough to worry about and your rack shouldn't be one of those things. All of their products are backed with a no worries warranty. So don't worry, something goes wrong, we got your back and your rack and the lost key. So remember, Kuat, because you love your bike. Now, today's episode is also brought to us by my friends over at CompetitiveCyclist.com. It is that time of year again. Santa Claus is coming to town. And if you haven't figured it out by now, you're Santa Claus. So time to fill up the bag with all kinds of bikepacking or cycling goodies from CompetitiveCyclist.com so that you'll have something to put under the tree for the ones that you love the most. At Competitive Cyclist, you'll find that they have all of the major standout brands in the industry, and they also have 
excellent customer service coming from their experts, the gearheads. They are equal parts customer service. They are cycling fanatics. And gearheads are sometimes former pro athletes or Olympians. They're seasoned cyclists with years of experience. And they're all available by phone, email, or chat for product recommendations and hard-won advice. I am all about companies that are there and stand behind their products and make it easy for you to get your holiday shopping done. So if your loved ones love bikes, and I hope they do, head over to competitivecyclist.com forward slash bikes or death and enter the promo code bikes or death, all one word, to get 15% off your first full price purchase plus shipping on orders over $50 or more. Some exclusions apply. So go right now and get that 15% off plus free shipping at competitivecyclist.com slash bikes or death and enter promo code bikes or death right now. All right, everybody, we did it. And now it is time to get to today's episode with Allie Johnson, the new executive director for Bikepacking Roots. But first, let's have Miles Arbor take it away with the Bikes or Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Everybody, welcome Allie Johnson, new executive director of Bikepacking Roots to the Bikes for Death podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to meet with me today. I know you mentioned that you were busy. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate that we could fit this in. Where are you calling in from? So I'm calling in from Salt Lake City. Oh, nice. Are you from Salt Lake City? I'm not. I'm originally from the Pacific Northwest. Um, and then I spent some time in the Four Corners region um, on the Navajo Nation and in Durango and most yeah. recently landed up here. Yeah. What brought you yeah. there? Uh, a boy. I got sucked <laughs> in by a ski bum who won't leave the area. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, as an outdoor enthusiast, I have to think that being stuck in uh, Utah isn't the worst place to be. Yeah, we try not to tell other people how great Salt Lake City is because we're actually like only 20 minutes from our skiing and our climbing and our mountain biking. Um, yeah. So it's can't be beat for access to both the city and the outdoors at the same time. Yeah. Um, how, how long have you been there? I've been here for four years now. Oh, nice. Yeah, so yeah. You're, you're starting to grow. Speaking of roots, you're starting to grow some roots in Salt Lake City. What time? Yeah, I, what what season are y'all? I'm in Texas, so it's like 75 and sunny. It's actually beautiful here. I just went on a bike ride. It was a beautiful <laughs> day. But yeah, what season are y'all in there? Is it is it more like ski are, season now? Fully shoulder season. Like there's mud everywhere. It's not clear what we're supposed to do. If you're really <laughs> dedicated, you could like hike to some snow in the mountains. Or you could like crunch through some ice on the mountain bike trail and go mountain biking. Um, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> you're in nothing, that. nothing is good right now is what I would yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Definitely I, time to bust out the fat bike with the studded tires so that you can roll through whatever you encounter. Yeah. That's all. I'd love to live in Utah. I actually, um, kind of an interesting side note or maybe not interesting, but I, I grew up, I was uh, raised Mormon. And, um, so as a Mormon, we would make these, you know, I say pilgrimage, but just a 24 hour drive up to Salt Lake city to go to like the motherland, you know, all the time. And so I'm very familiar with Utah and Salt Lake city, but I haven't ridden there as much as I would like to. The last time I rode, in Moab was 2019, and I did the whole enchilada. Are you familiar with that ride? Oh, of course. Yeah, classic. Okay. Yeah, super classic. Yeah. Um, have you done it before? <laughs> Sorry, I laughed because I'm like 
bits of it and I've cried every time. <laughs> I love it. And it's amazing and beautiful. And um, it's also, I am not a strong technical writer. Like I come very yeah. much from the gravel side of bike packing. So um, I've had more, more tears on that ride than, than probably most. Um, yeah. But it is no, so I'm... beautiful. Like, and then also tears of joy because it is so beautiful. Okay. Um, I was actually curious what tears, because um, yeah, I, I could see both happening. It, there are parts that are extremely technical that I was scared to walk down, like legit. I was like, yeah, holy shit. I come from Texas. We don't have mountains around here, you know? And, <laughs> um, but then also the views are awe-inspiring. So just sitting there and realizing how small you are and soaking it all in. So yeah, I didn't, I guess a little bit of both, huh? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, but I don't know. I love that. Like it's, it's a good thing. Like I would almost say like, I'm not having a good bike experience unless I'm crying because I'm like out of my comfort zone and having that extreme of an experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. So definitely a little bit of bull. Um, awesome. Yeah. That was actually weirdly, that was my very first mountain bike ride of my entire life. When I was in oh. high school, I had some friends who were like, Hey, we're going to Moab for spring break from Seattle. Like you want to come with us? We're going to go climbing and mountain biking. And I was like, sure. I, I do those things, but I definitely like ridden a bike on dirt roads and I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And they, they put me on this full suspension mountain bike with clipless pedals. Um, and we're just like, let's do it. I, I walked the entire thing, but I was still <laughs> hooked. I was just like so excited that that kind of a world could exist and that I could travel through it. But like I had a blast walking almost the entire thing. Yeah. I, I listen, there's no shame in that. I enjoyed getting off my bike and luckily at some of these more technical sections, there was, you know, locals that you could tell knew the lines and knew it. And I would just sit back and watch and be like, holy shit. I didn't even know that was possible, you know? So it's just cool to see it. <laughs> so I know you're relatively fresh as the executive director to bikepacking roots. Um, actually, when when were you hired? Was it November 1st? Was that the official date? That's when I got uh, an email. I think my official start date was like October 18th. Um, but yeah, right around there. Okay. So, yeah. So you're yeah. relatively... Um, relatively green. I know you mentioned that you're, you're, uh, you're busy. Are you kind of just in the transitioning? Uh, what, what's going on right now in your world? Yeah. <laughs> Good question. So a lot of it is just that transitioning, taking on a new role. Um, a lot of it is also, we're rolling out, um, some cool new campaigns Our love where you ride campaign, um, which is a combination of like bikepacking specific leave no trace principles um and then like positive impact practices for what we as this growing and emerging user group what we can do to have a really positive impact in the places we ride so right. we're rolling out that new campaign getting all those materials in place um and then capturing stories are um bipoc grant bike adventure grant program. So specifically for black indigenous and people of color, um, we've got those riders coming back in from their rides. I think they've just about all finished up now. So talking with them, collecting their stories, um, that's really exciting. And then moving towards our end of your membership drive. So yeah. those are kind of three big things we have going on at this moment. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually awesome. That, that outlines a really great podcast. Let's just talk about all three of those. <laughs> You know, yeah. I mean, to introduce myself to you, this is our first time meeting. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan yeah. of bikepacking routes. I, I, um, I believe and I preach that what y'all do is very valuable and that we need um, leadership and we need a seat at the table and we need to be represented and, and, and we need leadership and direction, all these things. So um, I really appreciate what y'all are doing. I know uh, a big thing that y'all do also is try to build community. And so the Love Where You Ride program uh, sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. um, what, what would that look like? Uh, is it going to be in one location? You hope they kind of spring up in different locations or how? Great question. So this one is actually less of an in-person event than it more is an information campaign about just things that okay. we could all do as we get out there to be interacting really positively with both the physical landscape and the people in the places we go. So making sure that we are treating them really well so that bike packers are always welcome in those places yeah. um, and stewards of those places. Um, yeah. 
Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say that I that I it's very important, and I think I grew up in Boy Scouts, and so and I'm an Eagle Scout and stayed with it, and so I learned you know these leave no trace principles, but. I might take it for granted that people coming into bikepacking and coming into the outdoors, you know, it's very important that we're continuing to reinstill and be good examples of leave no trace, leave it better than you found it, be good stewards of the land, respect the mm -hmm. land, you know? Absolutely. And especially as bikepackers and mountain bikers are not necessarily a newer, well, yes, bikepackers, especially a newer user group that may feel a little unfamiliar to different, um, different land managers and other users of areas, um, just helping really present that and making sure that like, we know that we move through the landscape in really positive ways. Cause it does, it looks different. What you have to be thinking about when you're bikepacking is a little different than what you might have to be thinking about when you are on foot, say. Yeah. And it also, I believe, takes some understanding from, you know, uh, the, the public lands or the government side of things to understand us better. I'd like to share a personal example. I was recently wanting to do a, um, I've, I've talked about it on the podcast, but I, I'd like to hold an event um, and I was going to do a big bend where we talk about um, the historicity and we, you know, learn about maybe like the culture or the geography or, you know, the flora and the fauna. I mean, you know, any of the anything that you're but you learn about the places that you're riding through and not just pass through them, but you learn as you go. And um, so I was going to host this event there <clears throat> at Big Bend and I had all these people lined up and everything like this. And I go to get the permitting process. And bikepacking is not an approved uh, an activity or whatever. You could do a hiking thing. You could do a astrology thing. But bikepacking just isn't on the list. And so I, maybe I'd love to hear your thoughts. But in my mind, this is one role that I see bikepacking routes being able to fulfill is making that connection. Very, very much so. Like helping land managers see that we are there, we are stewards of the land, that this is a great way for people to connect to the land. Um, absolutely. And we've run into the same problem before when, when trying to do things and have routes is just not being fully understood by land managers as a newer group. And so that's a core part of Bikepacking Roots' mission is representing our constituency to make sure that we have more access to more places and that more land managers are, are seeing us as really important constituents. Because we yeah. also see the flip side of that that you kind of spoke to of helping people really connect deeply to those landscapes that like bikes and bike packing are the perfect speed of travel to really get to know a place, to sink into it, to appreciate it fully, to connect more deeply with the landscape um, so that people do become lifelong stewards of those landscapes. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. You know, it might even be worth doing a whole podcast on that program, you know, whenever you get it. <clears throat> Sorry. Yes. I'm, I'm getting over a little bit of a, a cold and I got a, um, just a dry throat, but um. Yeah, again, I, I, you know, I'm a big uh, advocate for everything you are doing and a supporter. So anytime you want to tap my microphone and turn it on, just let me know and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll share some, you know, good information because I think it's, you know, it's, it's great to have this information, but it, you also need a mechanism to get it out. And I know you all have a, a good following and a, a newsletter and everything, but hey. Yeah. Every, every ear counts. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, we're so excited as I don't want to say the pandemic is ending. That's definitely not the case. As we are learning to live with the pandemic and coexist with the pandemic and, and play outside, we're really hopeful to be having more in-person events in 2022 where we'll get to yeah. see people and share that information and those ideas and help more people get out riding safely and as stewards of the land. So, yeah. Well, let's also talk about your BIPOC uh, program. Um I, I don't know if you know, but this would be a good time to uh, let you know and also remind uh, my listeners that whenever the whole Black Lives Movement started, what I felt like I want the one thing I felt like, I, well, one thing I think there's a lot of things I can do. But one of the things that I um, I um, committed to do was to donate one percent of all of our proceeds to the bikepacking routes BIPOC program. And so we're actually getting close to the end of the year and we're going to be tallying up our numbers and, and sending y'all a check. 
Um, no, I mean, uh, appreciate what y'all do, but um, it's not to brag, but I hopefully it, that helps. And it's also, um, I, hope, I hope other businesses would, you know, it's like 1% for the planet, but, you know, we created a logo and everything. I've given it to Kurt and I can share it with you um, if any other businesses want to, you know, step up and do a similar thing. But I thought it would be um, great to hear now that the program is in full swing, you've had riders out. What can you tell us about the program? Oh my gosh, it's been incredible. We're getting stories back about how transformative it's been for a lot of riders. So last year, um, we received just about 100 grant applications and we gave out 13 grants covering about 20 riders. So people went out some solo, some in pairs, up to I think our largest group was of four and really cool combinations partners. There was a mother-son team who went out, groups of friends who went out together, and they really spanned the gamut. So we really wanted to focus on this idea that like bikepacking roots really wants to meet people where they are, right? We know that the barriers to entry are really diverse for different people. And so letting people define adventure for themselves and what would feel adventurous and challenging for them. And that meant that they could ride semi-supported, they could use the funds to uh, attend skill building workshops and things like that. Um, so we defined it really broadly. And as a result, it was a really broad spectrum of trips um, from front country, a series of front country mountain biking adventures to um, the Arkansas high route to tour divide riders to this mother and son out on just like bikepacking overnighters. So just so impressed with the variety of different ways of adventuring on bikes that all of the recipients um, imagined and envisioned and also their flexibility in um in COVID, it was really challenging because we, you know, this program came came to be during COVID and everyone's trips got delayed. And then some of them got delayed a second time and even yeah. a third time. Um, and I was just so impressed with um, the fortitude and creativity that everyone showed being like, oh, we adjusted in this way. We made it work in this way. And also the way they were uh, connected with the communities they rode through. We heard yeah. some great stories back. I, I love it. I think, um, you know, brought in the gates and, and let everybody in. And, um, I love to see all the diversity and I think it speaks to this, you know, Kurt Refsnyder is a, is a great example. You know, he's like this ultra Uber athlete, but a lot of us aren't ultra Uber athletes. And so, um, I actually wanted to talk about how, I read about your dichotomy between his 15 days and, and your 50 days on the tour divide. And I think that's an excellent um, story to kind of showcase the importance of, of having both examples and how um, there's space for both. And if we're being honest, there's more people in this world that would take 50 days to do it than they would make, do 15. So to me, the 50 days is more relatable to most people, you know, <laughs> do, uh, do you want to share that story about your 2019, uh, tour divide? Sure. Sorry. Um, that was kind of an awkward, uh, no, it's fine, <laughs> but it is, it is a great story because I should even back up a step further and say that the Please. other key detail about that is that that was my first bikepacking trip. Ever. Okay. Yeah. Was I wanted to, like, like trip period. <laughs> yeah. Bikepacking trip. First bikepacking wow. trip period ever was the tour divide. Wow. Um, that's not true. We went out on one, I went out on one shakedown ride and ran out of water uh, and like bailed early. So, so it was truly like my first, but that's, I'm being glib. Um, because I had been a long distance through hiker before that. So I had hiked from Mexico to yeah. Canada. Yeah. Um, and then I had done a road tour of the Adventure Cycling Association's Northern Tour route. So I'm being glib. I actually, I, I thought that I had all the skills of like ultralight packing and navigation and just a fortitude for suffering. And then also the bike mechanic skills. And I figured sure. that I could combine the two into bike packing. Um, and it was yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> and it was yeah, true. No, it actually, it, it went surprisingly well. Um, yeah. But I realize now that like, there's actually a lot of barriers for people getting into bikepacking around like, you know, all of those things that I just mentioned, bike mechanicking, knowing how to pack really light, just being comfortable being with yourself for that long. Um, oh, yeah. You know, being comfortable having like terrible gaping wounds because you fell off your bike 
or got horrendous saddle sores or whatever. Like yeah. that, that is not a skill set for everyone. Um, and it just happened to be my own particular skill set. But it actually, it really surprised me because coming into bike packing, I had expected the bike packing community to be a little bit more like the through hiking community where people start often as a big group. And it's kind of like a big moving party and you all have like trail nicknames for each other and you have running jokes where you pass really heavy objects between one another's pack. Um, and it's just, you know, a very like convivial atmosphere. Um, and it was really, I didn't, I don't think I realized fully the race atmosphere of it when I showed yeah. up at the grand apart, I was like, Oh, this is a race. And, um, you know, I'm glib that I wasn't prepared, but like I, I was actually prepared. Like I, I was yeah. appropriately kitted and had a very light bike and, and was able to ride, but like still, I think just by being a woman and a larger bodied woman, like a lot of other riders looked very askance at me that I did not belong there. Um, you know, like they would be having conversations about like, oh, how long, you know, until you plan to finish. And a lot of them were throwing out some really low numbers. And I was like, you know, I'll just be thrilled to finish. Um, <laughs> and, you know, when I said that, like, I literally had one man just like turn and walk away from me. Just oh like gosh. not, not going to make a conversation with me. Um, yeah. And someone else, this other woman with the long brown braid was like, no, hello, welcome. I am so excited you're here and hugged me. And it was so comforting. And in retrospect, I'm I'm like 95% sure that was Alexandra Huchin who gave oh, me that gotcha. hug. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, welcome, you belong here. Um, yeah. But it was just, it was such a like surprising awakening that, that culture. Um, and so I'm so glad to have met people like, Kurt and Kate and Alexandra and Lael who are like, no, this, this space is big enough for all of us. Yeah. Um, oh, a hundred percent. I mean, one thing that I've been focusing on my, my interest lies with kind of the, I'm, I'm a single dad, full-time job. I mean, you know, so it's like, I'm, I'm busy. I don't have time to train 20 hours a week and, and do like a two week tour. And I think, you know, most people have a lot of responsibilities and they, they, mm -hmm. um, you know, can't go on these grand things, but, um, you know, I just hosted an event called the East Texas showdown. And one thing that we really focused on there was trying to bring in some more of the community into bike packing. And so it's, it's a shorter route. And what that does is allows for ev almost every single person, except for one uh finished in time and we had a big party at the end and um you know it was just great to see everybody like get together and share their stories and i did notice though um that there was a different energy at the start of the event like even though it was a shorter one and i one of the routes is called the slow down route like we try to make it super laid back and like no pressure kind of deal but there's still like a lot of anxiety, you know, and like a lot of people are, you know, kind of scared and nervous, I think. But man, once everybody got done and everybody was over and everybody like kicked back and relaxed, it was one of the, it was one of my favorite bike packing experiences ever. And I didn't even ride my bike. I just got to hear their stories, you know, but just sitting around, you know, listening to everybody. And I also experienced a similar thing at um, Monumental Loop. They just, um, or in New Mexico, or did you know they did? A, uh, a bike packing summit in New Mexico. It was their first I ever. I did. Yeah. yeah it looks so fantastic. They, yeah. I, I went and it again, it was, um, I mean, they had 120 people there and another person actually commented that I, on the, on the podcast, Ryan Van Duzer, he said, I felt like the running community and the hiking community kind of vibe there, you know? And so I think, uh, I think what we're going to see, my thought is, is that more events popping up that appeal to a broader audience. And I don't know, the Tour Divide, I don't know. People take that one pretty serious. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that that shouldn't preclude anyone from doing it. You know, it, we should also showcase like stories like yours and be like, yeah, you can go 15 days, but you can also go 50 if you want to, you know, both are good. Yeah, no, we absolutely need both. And I mean, I, I would say just no one take themselves too, too seriously out there. My experience has been that like even the strongest writers, the winners often aren't, you know, people who are really successful at the sport don't take themselves so seriously because it is uh, such a silly sport where so much yeah. can go so wrong <laughs> and so sideways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I Very good love, point. Very good point. <laughs> um, you know, slowing down. Because I mean, I, 
I could have gone faster than 50 days, I am sure. Um, but it became so much fun to slow down with the back of a pack and just to like connect with people, you know, to take time off to go on little side missions to see cultural sites or, um, you know, experience all of the small town wonders. Always want to put in a plug for like slowing down and going a little more party pace so you can experience the yeah. place that you're in. Hey, we at Bikes or Death, we have a hashtag called Pro Slow. I'm I'm uh, I I'm pro slow. I am so good at going slow. <laughs> it's the only thing I'm good at. I don't go fast very well, but man, you put me on a bike and I just could go slow and steady for a long time. That's about it. <laughs> well, yeah. Those ethos, man, celebrate I want to celebrate all rights. Like there is no right. I love your motto of like ride your damn back bike because that is so much my our, yeah. my and our bikepacking roots is position of like Every ride should be celebrated. Like if you're on right. your bike, you're doing it right. And actually, if you're off your bike and hiking your bike, you're also probably doing it right. As long as the bike is, you know, as long as you're with your bike. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that a thousand percent. So yeah. on your on your 50 day. Um, yeah. Were you like, you said you were in a group of people. Was there like a, a group of y'all that kind of just decided to tour it together or, or how did that work out? Um, to some degree, yeah, we leapfrog with one another. We didn't in general, like that wasn't intentional, but then a lot of us kind of ended up leapfrogging and seeing each other and, you know, right. you kind of connect to like share information and resources and occasionally hotel rooms when you're in town. So it was fun in that I, I didn't ride, I rode alone most of the time, but connected with Nat Rainbow, another writer. Um, and she and I, for the last five days of the ride did ride it like very intentionally together and finished together, which yeah. was a really cool experience to finish with another person because I know it can be really, really lonely to finish the tour divide. So like, or, and just any big race like that. So it was, it was really fun to finish with another person. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, was it, was the route harder than you, than you thought, or did you surprise yourself? Uh, or both. <laughs> uh, both. It was easier in places than I expected it to be and harder in places than I expected it to be. Man, New Mexico snuck up on me like Brazos Ridge in southern New Mexico. Like you think you found your rhythm and you're so on top of it and that you you know what you've been you're doing. You've been at this for thousands of miles and it just handed me my butt towards the end. New Mexico is far harder than I would expect, <laughs> would have expected. How are you able to take 50 days off to, uh, to do this? That's pretty oh, rare, isn't it? Great question. Um, I was a school teacher <laughs> until okay. quite recently. So that's how I did it. I was doing a lot of, um, yeah, big, big summer adventures. It's actually like what led me to bikepacking routes is I had done the tour divide one year. And then the next year was like, oh, I want to have another similar experience. So I went to do our Western wildlands route. Um, oh, nice. The year following. Yeah. And that's yeah. Bikepacking routes. Oh, that's so, oh, well, I was actually, one of my questions was what led you to bikepacking routes or how were you introduced to it? So why don't you tell that story? Uh, yeah. Well, so just after the tour divide, it was such a magical experience um, you, because it does. It just it teaches you so much about yourself. You know, you always think, oh, I've done all that I'm capable of. And then it asks you to dig a little bit deeper. And so having had that experience on the tour divide, really wanted to repeat it um, and was looking for another big route like that. And Bikepacking Roots has created another I guess, cross country, the short way um, route that goes through Idaho, Utah, and Arizona. So um, just a quarter of Montana as well. So it almost starts in the exact same place as Tour Divide. Um, you start at the same border crossing if you're going from the north and then diverges heading south. Um, so I thought that I would ride that um, the following year in, I guess, 2020. Um, is, that so prim I, is that primarily single track or is it is it still gravel roads? and Not uh, at all. Yeah, it's really designed to be accessible to a wide variety of riders. So it's, it's more of a gravel route than a single track route. In fact, it's a gravel route. Um, okay. it, it's comparable to tour divide in, in course difficulty. It's, uh, it's a lot steeper. There's a lot more climbing on the wild west route. Um, but it's really beautifully intentionally created to mix up, you know, kind of really challenging days with easier days. Um, and the, the guidebook that we had Kurt Refsnyder had and Kate Boyle and the rest of the team put together is just so beautiful in 
it's so accessible. There's so much information um, to in, to embark on a big project like that. Oh yeah, it's huge. Yeah. How many miles is that route? Do you remember it's offhand? It's just about 2,700 miles. Oh my gosh, it is it is that long. Wow. Yeah. Um, um, but actually, can I tell you about another thing we're really, really excited yeah, about? Yeah, of course. Um, so Kurt is currently working on some connectors between the Great Divide mountain bike route and the Western Wildlands route. Because like you said, not everyone can get out for those huge epics. Like not everyone is a school teacher who can just take summer off. Um, And so we're really, really looking forward to some really creative ways to use those two routes where linking the Great Divide and the Western Wildlands with the, so that you could make smaller loops, you know, a couple hundred. totally with you. Yes. That is so Um, so smart because what a lot of people do, and you're probably familiar with this, is they'll go write a section. So they might go do an out and back on, you know, the Montana section of the tour divide or whatever. But yeah, creating a, a a loop is, is ingenious. Yeah. I love that. Cause I, I just, there's no way I've talked about this on the podcast, but I, there's no way in my life right now with two young girls that I can leave for two. I can't do it in two weeks. It's going to take me three or four weeks. Like, you know, Oh yeah. <laughs> I just no, bought Kurt Ref Snyder's training plan, but I don't know what I'm training for just to ride my bike more, I guess. <laughs> you know, he's all about normalizing difficult. Maybe you're just like fatherhood. You're, you're training for fatherhood. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get, you're, you're, yeah. Fatherhood trains you for everything else, I think, is the way it is. I fatherhood. absolutely believe that. Actually, that yeah. was one of my favorite people I met on the Western Wildlands route was a dad who was doing it with his kid on a trail bike. And I just uh, thought that was so cool. It was his eight-year-old, so he could kind of, yeah. you know, function as more of a stoker and help him up the climbs. But I was yeah. so impressed with their their adventurousness. Yeah, we uh, that's right up our alley. I just got a tandem and I got a pull behind bike. So what we do is my uh, 12-year-old gets on the stoker and then my five-year-old is on the pull behind and uh, we're actually going bike packing uh, this next this next weekend with the, with the family. So that's one thing like I'm trying to like be an example of, you know, an adventurous father or just a, a parent, you know, just getting your kids outside and um, through Bikes or Death, I want to, uh, this is actually the first I'm doing it as a trial run with some other friends with kids and before we invite a bunch of people. But next year, the idea is to make this into an event, kids only or families only kind of deal. And, you know, it's kind of my way that I want to grow that sector of of bikepacking and really get the the families out there and have more examples of, of that because there's people that do it. Um, it's just good to have examples out there and kind of, you know, if you know a route's good and someone's gone and done it before, you know, it just makes it a little bit easier easier, you know? Oh, exactly. That is the beauty of bikepacking is I feel like it's a sport for the life cycle from, you know, the littlest kids out there to retirees out there riding. And so we want to, we want to see the whole, the whole life cycle of of humans out there riding bikes. Absolutely. Um, you know, like, pretty much everybody that listens to this podcast. Um, you obviously fell in love with bike packing probably rather quickly. I mean, you did the tour divide and <laughs> went straight into that. And now you're the executive director of, uh, uh bike packing routes. And so you've like really gone all into bike packing. So can you surmise what it is that you love about bike packing? Uh, it's just, it's like the closeness to the landscape because the pace that you travel at bikepacking sometimes is so slow. Um, and just, um, the pace, I have no better way to put it than like the speed is perfect for taking it all in. You know, when you're, you're in so much pain sometimes, (laughs) right. Um, that you get so focused on like, or I personally get so focused on taking in the details of the places and really just like soaking up the landscapes. And so I think what really did it for me about bikepacking is that speed, but then you're still traveling fast enough that you can travel through different landscapes and different biomes and different places really quickly. So getting to see, go slow enough to appreciate places, but fast enough that you can still see a diversity of places is really what led me to fall in love with bikepacking. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It really is the perfect speed that it unlocks the outdoors in a way that is you know, kind of locked if you're just hiking. Um, Matt Mason, the monumental loop 
guy. Mm-hmm. He, uh, you know, he discovered the monumental loop through bike packing because he tried to through hike it or, or, or tried to hike it and there was no water. So he couldn't, a bike was the only way he could access, be able to carry enough water and have the fat tires and go far enough, fast enough to, to, you know, cover the landscape. So yeah, I think, I think you definitely nailed it. That's, um, they're, they're a magic machine in that way. So really? yeah. And Oh, go just ahead. Unlocking that creative. No, it just, it's also the bike is like a very creative implement in that, like, you can, you can, it unlocks a lot of different things that you couldn't do otherwise because you can travel far enough. Yeah. You throw all kinds of shit on there and just go. It's fun. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Change plans. And, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, bikepacking, I, I, I think that we're on the same pl- program, which is, Keep it weird. Keep it fun. Do it however you want to. Actually, you know, I mean, it's like however you want to do it, but there definitely needs to be room for uh, if you want to take a skillet and cook a three course breakfast and, you know, take a box of wine with you, you can, you know, there's uh, it's, it, that's kind of the beauty of it is is enjoying I like personally experiencing landscapes in different ways. I might do it on a different bike or a different way, or I like seeing other people and do it in different ways. It's just more interesting that way, you know? Absolutely. So I was thinking, I believe that there was quite a few applications for this position you applied for. Is uh, that true? They don't tell me that. They're, they're flattering <laughs> me. They're like, it was a very competitive process. Um, but yes, <laughs> I was definitely not the only candidate. I can tell you that yeah. much. <laughs> Well, I mean, give yourself a chance to brag real quick. What is it that you think you bring to the table or what are you hoping to bring to this role as an executive director? Ooh. Um, That's like a tough interview question, but. Yeah, I know. I was like, really? I already got the job and now you're making me do it again. You just have to repeat what you already told them. Allie, what qualifies you for this job? Um, a love of the sport. Um, yeah, just a deep love of the sport and a deep love of connecting people around this sport. So I also like, um, humble brag side, I do, I do have a background in nonprofit and organizational leadership. Um, a master's degree from Stanford university in organizational leadership and a lot of experience leading teams in the more, the educational leadership side, but it's really the love of bikepacking um, and the love of people and connecting with people that makes me qualified. Cause I am most excited in the next couple of years as we keep growing, we're going to keep doing all the same things we have been doing. Like we're not going in a different direction. We're keep, we're going to keep putting out really, really well curated and well informed routes. We're going to keep advocating for wild places, which have kind of been the core, but we're also going to really build that community piece. And that's what I'm especially excited about in the coming year is our in-person events. Um, We're hoping to have three in-person events in this coming year. Um, And then really more opportunities to engage with our riders and our volunteers about what they're doing. Because I think that the heart and soul of bikepacking is the community as well. Mm -hmm. And so engaging our community more deeply. Yeah. I mean, none of that stuff makes any difference if we don't have a community there that we are supporting and that is supporting it, right? What good is a mm-hmm. route if there's nobody to ride it or or whatever? Can you can you speak a little bit about the three events you're hoping to do next year or is it too early? Uh, the hope is, I will tell you the hope, nothing is set in stone, um, but our hope is to be doing an event in Arkansas, an event in North Carolina, um, and an event in the Chuxa Mountains in Arizona. Yeah. On the Arizona side, it's right. The Chicksa Mountains are right on the Arizona, New Mexico border. Um, so like, I don't know which side, but on Navajo (laughs) nation, actually, that's what I should say. They are on Navajo nation. That's, that's where they are. Um, so we're hoping to do, do three in-person events that riders can be on the lookout for to come ride with us. Yeah. How, how can people get involved in terms of specifically, you know, what if you wanted to host an event or if you have a route or anything like that, are y'all looking for a community engagement in that way? We absolutely are. We are working on kind of, um, robustifying, um, our ways of people (laughs) engaging with that. Um, uh, and like creating systems for that. But we are so excited if people have information they want to share with us. Um, yeah, being our, we call them regional ambassadors. So we have regional ambassadors spread out um, throughout the United States on the ground, um, sharing with us local conditions, 
things they're writing, um, sharing with us advocacy issues where they are. So please just get in touch. Contact at bikepackingroots, R-O-O-T-S dot org, or just visit our website. You can submit a lot of those things there. And we, we would love to engage with you about yeah. your local issues. Yeah. Get involved, people. You got to build it <laughs> if you want to, you know, it's not going to just build itself. So, um, you mentioned the last uh, goal for this year was was your mm-hmm. fundraising campaign. So I wanted to give you a chance to talk about that. That's obviously important. Yeah. So just starting on December 15th, we're going to have our end of year membership drive for people to join us because when people join us, they can, you, you add your voice to strengthen our advocacy efforts, basically, and our advocacy efforts as a bikepacking community. A lot of what we're doing is we are saying, hey, we, as the only nonprofit in the bikepacking community, we, as bikepackers, we are concerned about, you know, say, uh, preserving the boundaries of Bears Ears, the Bears Ears Monument, for example, right? We lend our voices to those things when people join us. So we're really excited for people to join us at any level with financial support or without. People can join us to add their voice to those those advocacy efforts and then also to get updates on all of the different things we're working at, all those community events, those stewardship projects like the Love Where You Ride projects um, and our new routes that we have coming out in the coming year, so. Yeah. And y'all also, one thing that I really enjoy is all your surveys that you send out. Mm-hmm. I uh, I don't like taking most surveys, but I do take yours. And uh, I, I, I like adding my voice because I know that helps y'all tell the story um, better. And so I always enjoy seeing those statistics. I, I go to your website and you can, you can see all that stuff. So I kind of nerd out on all that, but I think it's great. I love... I love what y'all are doing. I told Kurt when he was on, I'm I'm glad that there's an adult steering the ship. I feel like, you know, a lot of kids <laughs> want to go out in the woods and play. And so, you know, it's it's nice that someone is is kind of like steering the ship that you feel like they know what they're doing, you know, and I'll, I'll echo that to you. I, I certainly am uh, grateful to have you as the new ED. I'm sure Kurt and Kate know what they do, they're doing, you know. I appreciate that. And I think they knew what they were doing hiring me. No, I'm so appreciative. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh yeah. They nailed it. uh, They nailed it. Often not steering the ship, but like, um, I don't know, I guess just being down there in the galleys, like a lot of it is just doing it, being engaged with it, reading through those, you know, sometimes boring reports from the secretary of the interior or those, you know, public lands um, comments, you know, doing that not sexy, but super essential work. Um, that's what I'm saying. The adult stuff, the boring, yeah. you know, like we appreciate, <laughs> that's what I'm oh, saying. We appreciate different sense. I like yeah. it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, we, we, I appreciate that. I'm not qualified or capable of, of uh, paying. I told you, we got the time zone wrong because of my dyslexia and I, it's not the first time that's happened. I, I'm, I'm terrible. So anyway. No worries. Well, we so, so appreciate your support and your listeners support of our mission because truly every member matters for strengthening the voice of our community and for building a more inclusive community for newcomers to our community. Like we want to make sure I appreciate what your podcast does and helping people get acquainted with bikepacking and bikepackers through, through deeper conversations. Absolutely. I love uh, just adding everybody's voice to it. You know, like you say, every, everybody counts and everybody's voice matters. And so, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to have, I, I don't know. I just feel like we're have an opportunity, um, in this community as, you know, as, as people's with a voice and, and in positions to create routes and to create community, you know, we have an opportunity to do some good stuff. So I'm, I'm definitely on team bikepacking. And um, like <laughs> I said, any, anytime you want to hop on and chat about anything y'all got going on, or, um, I definitely, uh, share anything I can to get, get the, get the message out because, um, I, it's, it's a funny way to say it, but we need some adults out there championing the cause of 
bike. We really do. You know, I mean, we got to, um, it's fun to go play bikes and you're right. It is kind of silly, but you know, if you want better access to national parks or national forest and, and stuff like this, we need good representation. And so I, I really do appreciate what y'all are doing over there. And I do congratulate you on your new, your new role. You're very, I, you. you did great. I, I was, uh, <laughs> I asked you some tougher questions. I was going to take it easy, but you're like all caught up to speed. You answered everything right. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel a little discombobulated, but no, that's no. life, right? We just roll with it. <laughs> no, you did great. I was, I'm very impressed. You're, you're yeah. like catching up to speed, uh, you know, as you go. So no, sure. I, know, I know you got a lot on your plate, but all right, well, I will let yeah. you go. Okay. Um, well, thank enjoy, you so much. Enjoy yeah. that slushy stuff out in Utah. <laughs> Appreciate it. And you enjoy your warm weather. <laughs> I will. Okay. And we can't, we can't brag very often in Texas. So whenever I can <laughs> brag, I have to take the opportunity, you know? Yeah, for sure. No, celebrate those little wins. <laughs> all right, Allie, go ride right. your damn bike. Be well. Go ride your damn bike. All right. Thanks. Yes, ma'am. All right, folks, that is a wrap on 2021. Thanks again for Allie Johnson coming on the podcast. But not only that, stepping up to be the executive director of Bikepacking Roots. Um, that's a pretty exciting, but a big role. I know that they're looking to grow, and I'm looking forward to everything that that they're working on over there. And I would encourage y'all again to Find a way to support Bikepacking Roots, even if it is only to sign up for their newsletter and fill out their survey from time to time. But uh, anything you can do to support the work that they have going on there benefits us all as a bikepacking community. And so I think we should all embrace what they're doing over there and find ways to support it whenever and however we can. All right, everybody. Well, I, th I thought I'd give you a few talking points that might last you over the next 30 days or so. We've decided to take a break at the end of the year. And to be honest, I think we might do this every year going forward for a few reasons. One, I like to do the awards at the end of the year. So we're going to release this one. We'll get a chance to tally the download numbers that come in and and even, you know, the one from like last week and stuff. But having like a 30-day gap gives us time for those episodes to be released, calculate the numbers, and we're going to give, you know, we're going to do some uh, Bikes or Death Awards at the end of the year um, with top episodes, longest episode. I'll give you some stats now, though, some fun. Now that this is the last episode, I can give you our uh, 2021 uh, episode numbers overview. We released 38 episodes with 65 hours of content, which is 3,898 minutes. And on average, each episode was downloaded about 4,300 times in the first 30 days. So as you can tell, we have really stepped it up over here at Bikes for Death, trying to produce more episodes. We started bringing them once a week. And so next year, if we can keep up to once a week, maybe we'll have about 50 episodes next year, which would be amazing. Just because we're stepping away for 30 days, please don't let your support wander away. We're going to be back bigger, badder, and better in 2022. One thing that we're gearing up for is a big episode 100. I have identified a guest, a location. It is going to be a live event, but you're going to have to wait on all the juicy details. But we're getting ready. We do want to obviously do something really amazing for episode 100. We're also working very hard on the East Texas Showdown that's going to be coming out on April 1st. We've been getting a lot of emails and direct messages and everything else about registration, and we are working very hard to get registration squared away. But because this year, or I should say next year, we're going to be doing it uh, bigger, we now have triggered permitting requirements and insurance requirements, and we are at the mercy of the National Forest with a lot of this stuff. So as you can imagine, anytime you're working with a government entity, things are a little bit slower. 
So we are, for the first time, working our way and figuring out our way through that kind of lengthy and complicated process. But we're confident that we're going to get approved. We had an excellent first year. And to be honest, I think they kind of like us. And to tie into today's episode, I mean, these are kinds of things that the kinds of hurdles and challenges that we in the bikepacking community face. When we go and talk to these park rangers, they're not familiar with three, four, five plus day races. They're not familiar with you know, people carrying their gear and having spot trackers and being self-sustained and self-capable and self-reliant. You know, they're not used to all that. They're used to porta potties and aid stations and SAG vehicles and all this stuff. And so, you know, to tie back into today's episode, I'm learning firsthand the importance of um, having representation and having a larger voice and and recognition for what bikepacking is, the type of people that make up the community. And um, yeah, so this kind of just a firsthand tie-in to today's uh, conversation. But again, we, we've been working closely with the park rangers. We had an excellent first event. Everybody was respectful and we didn't have any issues. So I'm confident that thanks to the community and how this uh, first event went down that we'll be able to do it again in 2022 with no problems. But yeah, so we're spending a lot of time going to be working on that. And we're also going to be making some changes to the podcast. Nothing drastic, but we are always looking to grow and improve the show any way possible. I'm always looking to create value for you, whether it's through new guests or uh, or even through the right types of advertising partners. So going into the new year, we are looking to renew some advertising contracts and seek out new ones. If you happen to be in a position with a company where you have some say and you think it could be a good fit with Bikes or Death, uh, please reach out to me. We are looking for new partners in 2022, but we are selective. Hopefully you've noticed that the advertisers that we align with are in line with our message here at Bikes or Death. We believe that we are hopefully bringing value to you through our advertising partners, and we want to continue to do that. So if you know of a company or work with a company that would like to partner up with Bikes or Death going into 2022, then holler at your boy. You can hit me up on Instagram uh, or honestly, probably the best way is email at bikes at bikesordeath.com. Another thing that I'm really looking forward to is an upcoming trip with my friend Miles Arbor. He's booked plane tickets to an undisclosed location somewhere in Northern America. I'll be meeting him there, and we are going to be scouting out a new 230-mile single-track bikepacking route. And I am equal parts excited and nervous. Uh, nervous because I'm out of shape. And uh, I've been, man, and it's just been a crazy year. And uh, trying to manage two jobs and two kids and, uh, and everything, I just haven't been able to ride my damn bike as much as I would like to. But I'm going to spend the next two weeks riding my damn bike every single day. And I am riding it loaded with all the stuff, I'm actually uh, trying to ride it with extra weight on there to just uh, really ramp up the training and and be extra prepared when whenever it's time to keep up with miles out there on the single track. One idea I had was to to kind of chronologue my journey, share what I'm doing to get ready, and uh, maybe you know just give some behind the scenes look into how i get ready for a bike packing ride of this magnitude everything from you know when i'm training to what i'm packing to eating yada 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 i was thinking about doing that and making that available to patrons if there's any interest in that so if you're a patron and uh you you'd be interested in hearing me blab about getting ready for a bike packing trip then uh, shoot me a message and let me know and maybe we'll we'll make that happen for you guys but all right well listen i don't want to bore y'all too much but i did want to let you know what was going to be going on in bikes or death land over the next 30 days or so 
Keep an eye out on social media and via our newsletter or wherever you follow Bikes or Death. We're going to be sending out a survey for everybody to fill out if you're interested. We want to know what you thought about Bikes or Death this year. What was your favorite episode? What was the funniest episode? What was the stupidest episode? I don't know. We're going to come up with some categories, but we'd love to hear your thoughts. We're going to be awarding prizes, so uh, be on the lookout for that. And as we come to a close this year, I just want to express my extreme gratitude to each of you for being here, whether you're able to support the podcast or whether you just listen and share it with your friends. I do appreciate everything. We have gotten so close to making this my full-time position. And as I transition into the new year, I'm looking to be working harder than ever to make that transition final. As we close out this year, I'll ask you one more time. If you are able to support this show, it means everything. It really does. The best way you can support the show over is over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. You can sign up there to be a sustaining member of the show. There's a lot of other ways that you can support the show. We have new merchandise coming to the web store soon. I've got new Vole straps on the way, new titanium cups. We've got ceramic coffee muggles coming. We've got the new Pro Slow holographic stickers, so you can always pick up some merch over there at the web store. Also, don't forget about our affiliate link program on bikesordeath.com. You can find an affiliate link page. Anything you click on there, if you do some shopping this holiday season, Bikes or Death will get a cut. Many of y'all have been using that, especially the ones for like REI, Hefe.bike, Patagonia, Ombras uh, have been very popular. So uh, when you're doing some holiday shopping or just you shopping, anytime you need some camping stuff, uh, use those links. It supports the Bikes or Death show and it doesn't cost you anything. And the last thing that I'll ask is a five-star review on iTunes. I love reading them. It's always nice to read those, uh, but more importantly than just making me feel good, they also help us get rated on Apple and helps other people find the show. So that's it. Those are all the ways that you can support the podcast. Obviously, you can just listen and share it with your friends. Just know that no matter how you support the show, you are very appreciated. And until next year, don't forget to ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts kept you awake. The sounds they made kept you afraid. In the morning, you packed your bike. Memories forgotten from the previous night. You rode faster than ever before. Was it your imagination or merely folklore? Fear turned into strength as you pushed further. Every pedal stroke stronger and firmer. Your bike feels weightless. Your legs aren't tired. You think to yourself, just a few more miles. Bikes. Oh, death. Bikes. Oh, death. Okay. <laughs>